Hustle culture, glorifying the grind. Don't let them see you sweat. You can sleep when you're dead. These are all anthems we've heard on repeat when it comes to working hard and being successful. The word hustle has been printed on hats and t-shirts and it's even served as logos to big brands and has ultimately energized a culture disguised in workaholism. We'll talk about some of the biggest influencers in the hustle stratosphere and their attempts to inoculate a whole new generation entering the workforce. This podcast invites my guests from diverse industries, backgrounds, and generations to explore how the hustle culture impacted their careers. We'll share it all, the good and the bad. We'll look at how hustle can poison the career waters or how it can be the oxygen we need when leveraged appropriately. I'm excited to dive in and investigate how hustle impacts our capacity and why it can lead to burnout. Even from a young age, Dallas always knew she wanted to pave her own path. With almost 20 years in the hospitality and event industry, Dallas has been directing some of the most prominent and influential hospitality teams downtown Toronto while producing first-class events. Today, she lives in Hamilton, Ontario, and she is the VP of Sales and Special Events at Equal Parts Hospitality. She also offers small business consulting and coaching mentorship services for youth, young professionals, aspiring leaders, and purpose-driven individuals. Dallas leads with compassion. She is a community connector, advocate, and a woman on a mission to teach, empower, and inspire others. Through her writing and mentorship, she openly shares her journey in leadership and life to humanize the experience for aspiring leaders. Okay, well, let's dive right in, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) Okay, now if we talk about the events, like the lifestyle, the mentoring, all of the different work that you do, there's usually like this underlying assumption of hustle that accompanies the industry that you work in. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, it's competitive, it's demanding, it's all encompassing. So where does hustle exist within your business? Um, well, I mean, in hospitality, like the hours, first of all, are it's, it's, Hospitality is a very um, high pressure, um, t- demanding industry. It's a service industry, so you're at the mercy of guests, obviously. Um, and I've worked in restaurants, hotels, resorts. So sometimes, you know, like and dealing with travel, like for conferences and and that sort of thing. So, um, and as a, a person in a leadership role, you know. Um, <laughs> it sort of feels like there's an umbilical cord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, getting phone calls in the middle of the night or super early in the morning, you know, and needing to be available um, is sort of like, sort of what holds, like sort of lights the fire to that hustle. And then I don't know if it was you recently or someone else. I saw someone said something about being addicted to the adrenaline. I think it was you. Yeah, I have said and, that. Yeah. yeah, and that's really um, a part of hospitality that I, I think I started so so young, and I think I got addicted to the adrenaline, um, really young, um, and it just sort of escalated. And because it's such a fast-paced industry, I think many of us get addicted to the adrenaline of it. And oftentimes, actually, when you find yourself like, I remember I had my first weekend off once when I switched. Uh, companies or whatever. And I hadn't had a weekend off in years and I, you just sit there and it's like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, to, to find your balance and, and you get bored almost like you, you need to fill that space. Yeah. 
And, and on the note of being addicted to adrenaline, it's, it's how do we get off the drip, right? How do we wean ourselves off of that? Like, what did you do to get comfortable with time off, with space, with time to yourself? Well, to be honest, um, I actually walked away from my corporate job about, about three years ago. So I'm a classic example of crawling up the ladder at a very fast pace from a very young age. So, you know, by the time I was in my early thirties, I mean, if you looked at my resume, you would have, you would think that I was in my mid forties. Like I had quite the, I had quite the path and I was downtown Toronto and working at very prestigious places. So it was, it was high pressure for a long time for me. Right. And, uh, and then eventually I hit the corporate level and yeah, I actually, um, I had to leave. And it was, it took me, it took me a long time to make the decision to leave. And I'm not suggesting that that's the answer, but that's for me on my journey personally, where I started to have the realization that there was a problem. And through that self-development journey, the awareness came Yeah. so that when I re-entered the, the industry, which I did, um, I could set those firm boundaries, which mm. I've done. And it's completely changed my mind, body, and how I function as a leader. I love that. And I, I, I think our listeners, if you follow Dallas, uh, you could see that. I mean, you could see that in the post. You can see that's part of your, your core beliefs and how you live your life. And what I've loved is that, you know, you've talked about life and business and life as an entrepreneur, you know, in terms of like 360 degrees, it's not just here's, you know, here's the good, and, you know, here's, here's the, the better it's, here's the good, the bad, the best, the ugly, like you talk about it all. And I think that's, that's really good. Why is it so important to provide that 360 perspective for you? Uh, it's my why behind what I do and why I show up online. Um, I'm actually a really private person, believe it or not. Like I'm sure if you get to my Instagram, it's like, you know, you wouldn't think so, but that's my why. And as someone who started really young, I mean, I'm 37. so when I started my career, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, like the information that we have at our fingertips now and online social media wasn't available. So the culture that existed when I was crawling up that ladder was that outdated belief system. Um, it was very masculine, you know? Um, so the reason, like, I want to humanize not only what it is like to be a woman in a leadership role, but I, but I go, I want to normalize the process it took me to get here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. so important because when I was growing up as a young adult, I didn't, it was very isolating. I didn't know other people my age. It's that imposter syndrome, right? Like if right. someone could have normalized that for me, um, I don't think, I think it would eliminate that, that um, whole fake it to make it <sighs> belief system, which, yes. you know, <laughs> yeah. That I love that you said fake it, you know, fake it until until you make it because it, it's such a it's such a I think um, a negatively charged statement where we have to pretend and hide ourselves and there's shame in that too. But I think people were like they hung on to that. I think you're right because even growing up through the corporate you know the corporate ladder too. Uh, people hung on to that and be like, just don't show any emotion, pretend you know what you're doing. And 
vulnerability is where innovation can come out. Vulnerability is where there is such a fertile ground that I think you're right. We're just starting to realize now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and I love that you mentioned like the, the men and women piece, because, you know, there's, is there a difference in the hustle culture between men and women? Do you think that still exists? And if so, what does that look like? Um, I think it, I think it does exist. Like I try, you know, when I'm sharing things, I do take the approach to be gender neutral for the most part, but I do think like there are a lot of things obviously that women experience, um, that is completely different. Um, and I think it's important to emphasize that in certain ways. I was raised by men in the workforce. Like all of my leaders were men until I got into probably maybe when I was 30, I think I had my first uh, woman, uh, direct report, which was so bizarre at first. I mean, it was a complete shift. Um, I think I see though, the majority of the people pushing hustle culture, at least in the online space and in, in like my community, it is coming from women. I find, I, I think, Hmm, um, I could, I could be mistaken, but at least from what I'm seeing, it's, it's a lot of women and you know the coaching scene obviously there uh, there's there are men coaches obviously my coach was a man but um that's where I see the majority of it coming from um and I just worry I posted something about that the other day I worry that that's really sending the wrong message the intention is good you know there's nothing it's not about not working hard obviously that's not what we're talking about right hustle culture has nothing to do with working hard and and setting goals and, and your idea of success. I think it's just, it puts people in a box and, and maybe sets the tone that there's only one path to success. I love that because you're right. I think like, you know, along that one path mentality is like, if you're not hustling, you're not working. Right. So it's black or white. And I, and I, I love that you said that because we haven't talked about that yet. Um, with any of the other guests in terms of just the definition of hustle being black or white. And, you know, I, and I'm, and I'm surprised, but not surprised to hear you say that it's coming from women. Cause, cause when I think about it too, I do see a lot of overt messaging coming from women about hustle. And I worry that the messaging like you has good intentions to, we got to get ahead. We got to keep going. You know, if you want this, it's yours, but you got to work for it. And that message is being convoluted within hustle, but hustle becomes, you know, the, the, the price of ambition or yeah, and, and the, becomes that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that like working hard is, is something to get done, but hustle becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference in that. And I, I participated in hustle. So I'm speaking from experience. This is not sure. an opinion. This is a, this is a path I went on, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it caught, it took me having a panic attack and having to walk myself to the emergency room to realize that I had a, there was a problem. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's serious. It is. And and that's, you know, when I asked, I asked all my guests for their, their nuggets or their quotes. And you said, hustle is a lifestyle that never sleeps. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It, it does. It's, it's like an invitation that just walks us into the emergency room, mm-hmm. the panic attacks, the burnout, you know, anything like having to do with that. Um, 
And so why was that so poignant or noteworthy for you? Like, why is that something that you chose to share with me and that we could expand on with the listeners in terms of like, it's a lifestyle that never sleeps. Tell us more about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's, there's a big misconception, you know, over the years since walking away from my, my, you know, career. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of learning to do and yeah, I I think there's just a misconception of what success looks like in the past Mm. success. I, if you asked me five years ago, what success meant, my answer would be completely different than it is today. I, I would have associated it with, you know, your, the salary and the job title and the accolades and social status. Now that's not, that's not my belief system anymore at all. And I know you do a lot of mentoring because I think I love that transition. And some would say, well, isn't hustle the cost of entry of getting into the game? Like, isn't that something you have to do? And then you kind of, you know, settle down and get into your groove. But when you're mentoring entrepreneurs, what you do, because you give so much um, to, you know, startups and, and to people starting out, how do you tame that? Or how do you message that to, to new entrepreneurs that are like ready to hustle, that are like ready to put in the 24 hours and put sleep aside? What do we do with that? Well, when I do coaching sessions, um, I do a lot of listening first. Um, and a lot of mo- the majority of people come to me and, and yeah, they are like, they're just like, they've got like all these, they want to do all the things. So what I do is I use a whiteboard and I, I actually write in front of them. Um, I help them set realistic goals within realistic timelines. And I force them to have personal goals inside of their hustle goals, including self-care. So like, so, and that's always, interestingly, that is always the hardest thing for people to actually put down on the board. And so I make suggestions or I share like, sort of what I've, what works for me. Um, yeah. So that's sort of what I do is I try to, you know, really break it down. And I find like people are always like racing. It's always the finish line that they're trying to get to, but I work backwards from the finish line. So like these, this is the goal. That's great. I love the goal, but so let's work backwards and bucket how we're going to do that in a realistic way that is healthy and that you can still be present in your life and enjoy your life. It's true. And I love that because I think we laugh at that because it sounds so simple, but yet nobody, well, not, I would say very few actually subscribe to that or can actually understand that or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. put that in the bank. I love how you said the hustly goals, like have the personal goals inside the hustly goals. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, as, as a, like a former, well, as a former, you know, new entrepreneur, I remember, you know, being told to slow down was like giving a tranquilizer to like a racehorse, right? Like that's just <laughs> not what you do. Like, what do you mean slow down? What do you mean personal goals? So yeah. how, how do we, like, how do we reverse the narrative? Is, is that something you think about, you know, about how do we help women, especially if this is, this messaging is coming from women to like hustle and get ahead and keep going and we have to make strides. Like what, how can we message this differently? I mean, that's why I share. I I think like, I think, I think that 
the sharing, if there's more, I mean, there are, I got to say like, you know, there's a lot of negatives about social media, but there, or the online space, whatever you want to call it. Um, but there is a lot of good out there. I mean, I found resources for myself. I think we have to be really careful what we're consuming. Yes. Um, I think that that's like at the top of my list. And for the record, for those listening, I just want to say like, I am not like on this super 360 path. Like I, I'm not good at meditating. I am a very turbo person. So like, I'm not perfect. Like I have to check myself and reel myself back in all the time. I'm actually in a wave right now of that. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it's, it's, it's just being really mindful of like who your community is, what you're watching, what you're looking at. Um, obviously the internet is a false representation of obviously success, but so many other things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think that if people are listening to this and they've gone through it and you're comfortable sharing your story, I think there's, our power is our story. And, and that's why I try to share mine as much as I can. Um, because I mean, I really try to hit the demographic of those young professionals, women, um, or people who might be stuck in that, sucked into that hustle culture. Um, yes. Yeah. I love, I love that you talk about that too, because that's just what we consume. And I share this with you too. And I, I geek out on this stuff because it, it's really about our intellectual capacity. It's about our intellectual capital, right? Like what are we investing in? What are we feeding our brains with? And, you know, I, I I'm so intrigued by this because I have a 12 year old daughter who doesn't have a phone, who doesn't have social media um, because I worry about giving this powerful device and these powerful apps to a young brain without guidelines, without a guidebook and like how to do this, right? And I think as adults, it takes such self-discipline. So I love how you said like, check yourself, like what are you watching? What are you subscribing to? Mm -hmm. And then even walk it back to those those goals, those mm -hmm. values yeah. that you help Definitely. people set up. Yeah, yeah, I love I love when you like the capacity convert, like I listen to your talks and the conversations that you have and capacity is a huge word. It's like, there's, you know, I think like just being aware of like, we're not robots. We're not superhumans. We're, <laughs> we're human beings with feelings and, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to understand what that capacity looks like for you. And if it's not the same as someone else, out there who you maybe idolize or whatever, that's all right. That's okay. Everybody's like uh, definition of success is different and it's, yeah. it should be different. We all have a completely different path, different skill sets, different industries. Like there's different industries that call for different things. hundred percent. So yeah, I think, and I, again, I go back to the internet, like it's hard because you, you people do idolize, um, either other people or accounts or whatever. Yes. But it's, it's, it's often not really the, the real picture or, or the whole, like you called it, like the 360. Yeah. And that's what I wrote when I, when I think about you, I think about you t like showing the full picture and, and, you know, with your family and your business and, you know, just your, your personal goals and, and what that looks like. And here's the thing. Can we talk about like when we share our stories, right? I feel like 
you're right. The social media platforms, they have a lot of pros, a lot of cons, but <laughs> where do we draw the line at sharing our stories? Is there a line? Like, how do we, how do we know? And maybe you can share with the listeners too. Like, how do you know when to post something and when not to like, what are, what's your framework? What are your parameters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great question. Uh, I think there is such a thing as oversharing. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, there are, I mean, I have shared, like, I've shared about my experience with infertility. I've shared about, you know, my new family and those are very personal things. And I mean, there are certain things I've shared, like, it's important. I know it's important and it will help others. And that is my goal. But there's some times where I'm, I just am like, oh, the minute I hit publish on the fertility blog, I mean, I just sobbed and I was just shaking and I, because that was mine. That's mine. Right. Nobody else's, but I knew that it would help others not feel alone. And that I think is just so important. And that's why I do what I do. I've gone off on a tangent. I don't even, oh yeah, it's oversharing. No, Uh, but it's good because it's like, how do you, like, what is that feeling? Like, I know you feel vulnerable when you hit it, but like, what is that? Okay. I'm not going to share that because that's oversharing, but I am going to share this because. I always bring it back to my why. Mm. I always connect things back to my why. I'm also very uh, structured when it comes to what I share in terms of the pillars that I'm trying to achieve. So, you know, like teach, empower, inspire is where I focus and hone in on. And then there's like the hospitality business and lifestyle piece. So I try to keep those really tight. And yeah, there's been things that I've wanted to share. And and I mean, in my notes section on my phone, I'm a writer. So I mean, I've got so many things like captions there. And there's been some sitting there forever that I just, it's like, sometimes I think to myself, either A, like, that's not really on brand with what I'm doing, or like, who really cares? (laughs) Right. Sometimes, you know, but um yeah, I think for those listening, like if you're if you're trying to figure that out and navigate that, which I often deal with with my mentorship sessions as well, is really understanding your why behind what you're doing. Like, why am I sharing this? Who who am I helping here? Well, and let's let's dig into that a little bit more um, because with and I love the why piece, and I love how you put it as a teach, empower, and inspire, and. Again, if I can like drill down even further and get into the nitty gritty, how do we know what we're sharing is going to teach? How do you decipher that it's teaching, empowering, inspiring versus an overshare? Because to you, an overshare might be a lesson for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we distinguish? Like how do we know? Is it an intuition piece? Is it a good question. Um, I mean, I have a very strong intuition. Yes, (laughs) I do. Um, if I ever have, like, if I'm not a hundred percent on something, I won't do it. Um, and that goes with anything in my life. I always like everyone has an intuition. Yes. Um, but I think like, like if we're talking about businesses or brands or personal brands or blogs or, or this type of thing, um, because like I said, I do think like our story is our power. And I think that the more we can share, there's always someone. So when I started sharing, I remember I was really nervous because I was, I'm a private person. And my, I said to myself, it's not about followers. If I can just help one person right, by sharing this one person, then it will be worth it. Even yeah. if there's trolls or whatever. 
And Melly, I'm telling you, every time I post something and, I, and it's like, like, I'm sure enough that I want to do it, but I'm just like, oh, I'm exposed. Um, I'm, I swear there's always one person that either sends me a DM, texts me offline or comments on the post that I know there was impact. And as soon as I see that one person, I move right on. And I'm yep. like, I don't care how many likes, I don't care done. anymore. I've helped Served. this person. This is a genuine impact right here. So I've done the work. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is, that's it, Dallas. It's the, I'm sure enough, but I feel like it feels risky. Mm-hmm. And that's where that vulnerability is to come back to the beginning, right? That vulnerability is where magic happens. It's mm-hmm. where serendipity, like serendipity lives. It's where yeah. you invite, you know, um, other people to share with you, or you invite other people to feel the same way. So I yeah. think you're right. It's like really getting in tune with the, uh oh, you know, yeah. like this feels raw but it feels right at the same time. And then you're right. That's when we get those messages from people saying, thank you, or, oh my God, that was so powerful or yeah. Those yeah. People. And I just, I also want to say, it's not about, it's not about like, um, like the attention no, or validation, I should say more so. Right. Good word. It's, it's about, um, you know, I, I remember um, when I first started sharing again, going back, I was, because I do, I'm such a, like, I, I'm, I'm a leader. I'm in a leadership role. I should say like as an executive person, yes. you know, it's really, there's a fine line because I have clients, staff, you know, coworkers who, who follow my account or who I know creep me, like, as they say, or <laughs> yep. stalk you. So there's that piece too, that I have, I have to be very mindful of, um, and, you know, I used to really struggle more so with it um, because it's like, how do you, how do you, how am I going to be respected if they know this stuff about me? Yeah. It's like what's something you wouldn't talk about over a, you know, an office lunch hour or right. yeah, you wouldn't be sharing. Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, whenever I do share things today, I, I'm always have that in mind as well to just, you know, make sure that it's, um, yeah, just that it's that it's sort of aligned with all of the many hats that I do wear in my life. It's a good parameter. It's a good gut check too to say, okay, before I hit post, everybody has access to this. Yeah. Am I okay with them knowing this about me? That's right. Right. Would I share this in a boardroom? Although I think the other thing too is that like people know that we do have separate lives. Like, and I think that's actually, um, becoming a bit more understood, right? Like this online part of me is part of this business, part of this, why, you know, has these values, this part of me as an executive, here I am. Um, yeah, I guess it, it depends on if one isn't tarnishing the other. Well, I think too, when I was a younger leader, before I went down, like through a, a very deep self-discovery journey and became very self-aware, yeah, I think, uh, and I did write a blog about this. I think quite a while ago about feeling like, like I always felt I was living a double life, because I was this person at work and then I was this person at home. Yes, and it wasn't that I it either wasn't real. They were both real and authentic and genuine. It was just, I mean, it was hard because I was so young in a leadership role. So you know, you, yeah, it's harder that way. Uh, and a woman. Yeah. Um, 
but I think now I'm just, I'm so comfortable in my own skin. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to share that side of me at work anymore. Even, you know, with my staff, like I had one of my girls the other day, send me a message and she wanted to know, you know, she knew I was struggling at home and she said, you know, I hope I'm not overstepping, but can I bring you a coffee or do you want to chat? And she yeah. said, if I, if you need me to stay in my own lane, like this might be, you know, it's, it's okay. And, and I said to her, I want you in my personal bubble. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not that kind of leader. Like, I want to know you and your life. And I want right. you to know about me. I'm not afraid of that anymore because it doesn't change how I work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it does invite people to know. And, and how many times, you know, if I think back to my corporate days too, when we didn't have these channels or we didn't have people airing, you know, their personal life online for a purpose, did you ask yourself like, geez, I wish I knew more about them. I wish I knew if I could see the other side of them. Because I think in corporate, a lot of people would be nodding their heads right now, Dallas, to say like, yeah, there's a corporate me and then there's a personal me. And, uh, you know, the, wh- how do those two merge? And we've been taught they should never merge. But I think that's that's really dissipating uh, right now. I think so too. And I mean, some of those corporate people I used to work with, the big leaders, they, they, they write me about it in yeah. a positive way, in a positive way. Like, you know, they didn't know what I was going through while I was in the role. And now they see what I'm sharing and it's like, oh, and it's not their fault. It's just, no, it's culture. It's corporate culture. Yeah. And I wish it would have been different at that time, but I do see the shift in, in some ways. I mean, I think we have a lot of work to do, but you know, leading with love and compassionate leadership and being, being vulnerable when you lead. I, these are all things that I talk a lot about too, because I think, I mean, it's made me a better leader. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the social media piece too, in a way, I mean, can, you know, you talk about oversharing, but on the other, on the other side, keeps us honest. Yeah. You know, if we're going to put it out to the world, we are responsible for that. Mm-hmm. We are responsible for what we put out there and owning that and being true to that. That's not just for story time. That's not just to validate, like you had said, I think it's to, this is, this is me. This is the whole me. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's something comfortable about that at the same time, because, you know, coming from corporate, there's nothing to hide. Yeah. Right. It's, it's the whole 360. So. Well, it humanizes it. Right. And that's what we all want deep down. I mean, we're all just in yes. that corporate culture. You're all just playing the game. Mm-hmm. And when you eliminate that, I mean, it could be a completely different experience. Well, and I, you're right. And when I'm called to talk about burnout and capacity in corporate culture, there's still these residual feelings that come up from having worked in there. It's like, okay, I need to put on the corporate hat and what are they going to want to hear? And, you know, I can't tell them to say no to things because then that, and then I have to really work against that and really quiet that voice. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I'm going to show up in a, in a corporate space, it is about mental health. It is about preventative, not reactive, because when I'm called in, I'm also called in, can you help? People are burning out. And it's like, that's not where I want to be anymore. I don't want to be in the, re- like, I'm not a therapist. Mm-hmm. Let me help you prevent. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, that. yeah. So it, I think it's, I think we're getting there. You know, I think so of- too. Well, it's good that there's people like you out there getting in those environments. <laughs> Hey, I've obviously, you know, we're, we're in good company with each other too. There might be a collaboration down the road. Oh, I'd love to. That's one of my long-term goals is just to like, I'd actually love to speak to, to youth and get into schools and yes. get them young. 
Exactly. Exactly. No, I love that. Well, this has been, this has been such a great conversation. Like the time has gone by so quickly. We've talked about corporate, we've talked about values. We've talked about your why we've talked about men and women. Like I think so many people will get so much out of this and I anticipate like follow-up and some questions. So, Oh, I love it. Hey, I love answering questions. So yeah. anyone watching wants to ask me a question, go for it or watching, listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, maybe we can do a part two, but in the meantime, Dallas, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Um, so on, well, I have a website. That's an yeah. easy way, dallaslombardi.com. Perfect. And uh, Instagram, I am Mrs. Dallas Lombardi. And yeah, I'm on Facebook too with the same handle, but I don't, I'm... Terrible at checking Facebook. <laughs> Too many things. Yeah. Well, you're managing, you're managing your capacity, you're managing yeah. your social space. Yeah, totally. But I'll post all of that for the listeners. Thanks again, Dallas. What a pleasure and such a, an awesome conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Interested in learning more? Come visit me at capacitycreator.com lots of resources to explore, and even do a quick assessment to determine your state of capacity while you're there. You can also find me on most social platforms under Melanie Sodka, like vodka, but with an S. See you soon.